Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. This episode, I speak to James Withy, founder of Mental Health Project, The Recovery Letters, and author of new book, How to Tell Depression to Pee Off. He shares how he moved from working in addiction as a counsellor to writing, and how being a freelancer has actually helped balancing mental health challenges. James has amazing advice from personal experience in mental health services and his own journey for those of us who struggle with the highs and lows of freelance life. And he also talks about self-praise, celebrating the little wins, and why he likes to wear unusual socks. This episode was recorded in June 2020. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I am chatting to James Withy, who is the author of a new book, How to Tell Depression to Piss Off. I love this title of this book. James, welcome. Thank you for chatting to me for the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your freelance? Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's lovely to be here. So yeah, so all my, all, all my writing is, 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 is freelance. So yeah, all the books, the books that I write are, are kind of freelance. So. And you do a mixture of writing sort of articles, books, you have a project called The Recovery Letters as well, don't you, which I'd love to chat about. And then also yeah. you work in a library. So your world is very much around words, I guess, and, and using words to get a <laughs> yeah. message across, would you say? Is that sort of fair to say? It, yeah, it's all, about, it's all about words, books, really. So, so yeah, I, I do part-time hours in a library. And then, yeah, I, 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 set, I set up and then I, I run this project called The Recovery Letters, mm. which, is, which is also a book. Um, and that's basically a website of people um, who are recovering from depression and they're writing a letter to somebody that's, that's in a lot of pain now, really, experiencing mm. depression now. And that's been running for oh, God, a, good, a good 10 years or so, really. So, yeah, I do sort of speaking engagements um, with that and manage that and then write kind of write books about depression and then, yeah, do speaking and, yeah, do, do articles for newspapers and websites as well um it's a real mixture of stuff actually so yeah it's um it's a nice combination really yeah which is really good very much a kind of the um, the multi-hyphen kind of bits and i always call it there's lots of words for it, there's sort of lots of side hustles i always call it a bit of a bits and bobs kind of you know yes you, you've got a few fingers in some freelance pies which is quite a good idea because then you you've got different things to rely on for income sources and also to keep you ticking over in terms of your interest in what you're doing as well. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's good to have some solid library hours. So I have mm. some, you know, some money coming in. Um, it's not a lot. You don't get, you don't get paid much in the library. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. It's wonderful work. Yeah, but it's lovely. Pay. Yeah. It's just a joyous job. It really is. I'm sure everyone um, now wants me to ask you: Do you stamp books? I bet you loads of people are thinking that. So, do you stamp books still, or is it all electronic? <laughs> It's all electronic. Yeah, the only the only time we stamp books is, is if the computer systems all go down, mm. and we get, then we go back to stamping, and we get very excited about that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if the, the power. computer systems go down and, and you can't you can't self check out, then we stamp, and yeah, we we love a good stamp. Brilliant! Oh, that is a powerful, <laughs> wonderful thing. I wondered. It sounds like you do like being freelance, but I wondered if if you do. I often ask people, do you like being freelance? Because I think there's this, we were chatting just before we started recording about the idea of freelancing being a bit of a holy grail work-wise and all of this work from home. But do you like it? Do you enjoy it? What brought you to freelance life? Have you always done it? I, I haven't, no. I, I, I kind of, I started to do it more when I was ill with depression and I, mm. I could know, well, I, 
I, I didn't work for a year at all. Didn't, I was too ill to do anything. Mm. And, and then, then I started to do things with the recovery letters and then I got the library job and I found that I liked the, the balance of it really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the variety of it. I liked the fact that I could be, you know, writing one day and then doing a speaking engagement the other and then I would be at the library. I like I liked that variety. I, I yeah. know that I can get a bit with nine to five, you know, just sat at a desk. I would find that really difficult. Yeah. Um, so I, variety is good. But actually it kind of came about through just circumstance, really, that, that not being well enough to go back and do a full time job. And I was worried about that, thinking, oh, you know, how am I going to how am I going to manage that? But actually it's worked out, worked out really well, you know, in terms mm. of kind of kind of how things balance out. I mean, there are always things, and I know people that, that freelance full-time, so I have a sort of graphic designer friends who, who are just continually tearing their hair out about bills and getting paid, and, and, you know, and I have those frustrations too, and trying to get the balance of, well, how much do you push and not push, and that, yeah. that relationship, really, really hard that. You're going, i like to make a good impression so that you'll hire me again. And those balances, I think, are really difficult, whereas at work, you, you can just... You know, push up the chain of command and go. Ah, oh, I should just forward this on to somebody else, and then, yeah. <laughs> and, and up it goes. But 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 you know, the buck stops at you. So you know, there there are there are challenge, there are huge challenges. But um, I, I think for me, it was yeah, born out of necessity. But actually, came good in the end. And I I can't see myself ever going back to mm. a nine to five full time job. I, I I like to be able to. So I work much better in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like to be able to use that time and I get sluggish and tired in the afternoon and then sometimes my brain wakes up again in the evening and so sometimes around about eight o'clock I'll suddenly start writing again and I really like being able to do the work when it kind of suits me and when yeah. my brain's at my sort of sort of peak activity really um, and I tend to get, I tend to get more done. That makes so much sense and I think a lot of people are starting to discover this with the work from home during the pandemic I keep sort of um, time checking when I'm chatting to everybody so we're Wednesday the 3rd of June 2020 so the UK sort of easing out in various ways of lockdown but very much lots of people working from home and yeah I think they're realizing that actually you can wake up at five if you want to and get a chunk of work done because you want to finish at four and then actually you might come to eight o'clock and go I'm just going to write a little bit more of that thing that I was doing or I'll just send another couple of emails because you've had two hours in the afternoon when you weren't so productive and that kind of thing so it's a certainly a flexibility I understand as well yeah Yeah. Yeah. I think I think loads of people have you know have realized that and and yeah I mean I think we all have this natural slump in the afternoon and Mm. and it's it's kind of I know work in my library if I'm trying to get stuff done about in the afternoon I'm just just it just feels like going through mud so I, I yeah I really like having that opportunity to work just at different times to get up really early and and get stuff done and then have a break and just just work work more flexibly you know yeah. which 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 is really good I'm glad Do you mind me asking what your job was before was it in journalism and writing as well before or did you have a complete change when you came to the writing as a freelancer I had a real change, actually. Yeah. Mm. So, so I I worked for twenty years in addiction services, mental health services. Oh wow! I I, I trained as a counsellor mm-hmm. um, back in the oh, mid uh, mid nineties. Mm-hmm. So, and then worked in uh, mostly addictions and, and homelessness projects, doing managing those projects and doing counselling, and then latterly training um, mm-hmm. training staff. So, you know, it was a big change. You know, I'd worked in social care for, you know, sort of 20 years and I knew I wasn't well enough to go back to that. You know, 
because you have to take a lot on and you know it's, it's, it's a lot to manage um but yeah it was a complete change and and, and writing and was always something that i did for pleasure really mm. so you, you know i would always read um write terrible short stories <laughs> oh. stuff. Uh, no no they really were terrible really? <laughs> they're in a box in the loft no one shall see them <laughs> absolutely they're never coming out so you know I, I but actually there was something um and i always thought oh i don't want to mix up you know my work life and and what i do for pleasure but actually what i found is that works perfectly for me you know because i i love going to work and i love doing you know i love writing and actually having that having that sort of never being, you know, worried about going into work. Whereas some days in my old job, I'll be going, oh God, I've got to do this this day and I've got this horrendous meeting. And, and actually, you know, I, I, you know, hugely passionate about, about social care and still write in many ways about social care and mental health. But yeah, I, I found that change was really good. The change was really good, actually. I, I think there's a certain point, certainly in when, when, well, when I was working in social care and a lot of people work in social care, you start to burn out, you know, you've, yeah. you've given and you've given and you've given. Um, so yeah, it was a, it, it was a big change, but you know, really, a really good one, a really good one in the end. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, I love your journey to freelance. It's really, it's really interesting to hear how people come to it sometimes, because I think some people just do it sort of as a knee jerk, you know, like a redundancy or I think that's probably a lot of people during lockdown who are thinking, right, I'm going to start that business. But yeah, for other people like yourself, there's a real build up to, to making a change. It's sort of, it's funny, isn't it? That I'm, I'm interested that it's been a really positive thing. It sounds like for your mental health, but I hear a lot of people who are freelance that actually, I think depression and, and negative mental health feelings are quite a reality for many self-employed people. And I wondered if you agreed with that either personally or yeah. from what you know from other freelance friends or people you work with sort of or speak yeah. to through articles i mean it's, we don't have mental first health first aiders and sick pay so we, we have a different approach don't we do you think do you agree with yeah, that it's it's very difficult i i, I think i'm lucky because i get to i get to see some people you know i don't do many hours in the library but i get some contact with mm. people um, and that's and that's lovely um and i I think I, I would certainly struggle if I was not, if I was doing, if I wasn't doing that, I think I would, I think I would struggle. Um, and I know that there's, if there's days where I'll have a few days of writing and I haven't yeah. seen anybody or spoken to anybody, then certainly my mental health can get worse. And, and I think it's, it's really tough, you know, and if, especially I think if you're working from home, you've got to kind of delineate different work areas and personal areas and yes. to be strict about boundaries with you know oh actually well shall I do some mining now or shall I just write this email you know it's really hard to work out what works best I think that takes takes a while some people are really lucky and will have you know I have a friend who has like a huge you know attic really and that's oh, and that's wow. the work that's a workspace and he goes up there and works and then comes down for lunch and then you know but some people are doing it you know, on their kitchen table you know so it's 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 hard i think not having those that kind of uh, sort of relationships chats with people that really help our mental health that you do that might just be having a joke or having a laugh so mm. i know on days where i um haven't sort of you know spoken to anybody i'll i'll stop at lunchtime and i might phone somebody or i might text somebody or i might do 
something with some, and usually with some talking, it's, it's, it's easy to send a text, but that's not quite the fix that you want, I don't yes, think. Yes, I agree. A phone you, call is different, isn't it? A phone call is yeah. it's really, it's really different. And just to have that speaking to another, another human being thing. Yeah, um, I think I think is really important. Totally agree. One of my very first interviewees sort of said she'll ring people at random sometimes, and they'll say, "Oh, are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm just ringing for an actual chat." And it would be such an, an out of sort of yeah. out of the ordinary experience to get a phone call. You're kind of like, "Oh, what's happened? What do they want?" Sort of thing. And absolutely. She's, yeah, but it's, absolutely. Then when you get chatting, you just think, "Yes, being on the phone is the most normal thing in the world." It's just seeing the call that sometimes makes you go, "Oh, it's." it's you know, we've become a bit a bit scared of phone calls, you know. Yeah. So I think I think actually, sort of sometimes you have to push yourself. I know sometimes I have to push myself to phone somebody. Mm. Um, I kind of go, "Oh, you know," because because there's another way of doing it because we can text and do other things other way. You know, it's sort of that's that's become almost fallback. But actually, I know when I've spoken to somebody you know that's dramatically improves improves my mental health even though i've been a bit oh this is going to take a lot a bit of more energy and all that kind of stuff mm. but actually the the actual chatting and connection people is is hugely beneficial in terms in terms of mental health yeah completely agree it's funny because it reminds me of something i've got a few things that have come up when i've been looking through your book and and one of them is you talk about sharing and talking and their essentials for mental health sort of and you explain why you think that is but i think like we've just said, even more so for freelancers, sharing and talking is just a backbone of keeping yourself on, on a kind of an even keel in a way, isn't it? Because if you let it build up and then you look at social media and see what everyone else is obviously hugely achieving in inverted commas, that's a bit of a, uh, yeah. I don't know if that happens to you or whether you find a balance with social, but yeah, they're kind of essentials for freelance life as well, aren't they? Sharing and talking. So one of the things you have in the book that really resonated for me was the idea of do the work when you're well. The, sort of the concept your, your analogy was that you wouldn't paint a wall if you put your back out for obvious reasons so why would you do work when you're you know computer work freelance work if you're not feeling well enough with the mental capacity and that's something I sort of thought was so simple and strong advice wise and I just wondered what if you wanted to sort of explain that a bit more and relate it to to freelance life really and how you manage that personally yeah absolutely so I think it kind of it kind of works for me it works for my kind of freelance life which is is that trying to slog away at something when it's not working it is mm. is just not it's just not effective so I, I can be you know typing away and just getting nowhere and and just feeling like wading through mud and all this is just a complete waste of time and sometimes it's just easier to stop and go yes. okay this is not this is not the time to do this piece of work because it just looks rubbish and it's just not coming out well at all so I will stop and then I will go back and do it when I feel better or you know when I feel a bit more inspiration and when I you know can feel that I can concentrate so and then yeah it then completely applies to when when I work on my depression so that mm. when I'm feeling really ill and I can't concentrate and my perspective has changed and, and I, I'm thinking rubbish thoughts about myself that the illness is making me think mm. and I you know, the world feels like a very different place. It's not the time to read about depression or to try and work on my wellness. Yeah. I have to wait until I'm feeling better. And then at that point, I'll write myself notes and I'll do some reading and I'll practice different techniques that I can then employ. Yeah, like in the book. So, so yeah, trying to paint a wall when you've got a bad back. It's just ridiculous. It's just going to be a waste of time. You're going to make your back worse. You know, the painting's going to look rubbish. So. <laughs> 
but it's taken me a while to okay it's all right just stop and not do this just now yeah so i used to certainly when i was ill when i well, when i am ill i, I you know you know depression is beating me around the head enough and mm-hmm. then also try and try to go oh well this should be cured or i should be fine and all these kind of questions and it's it's enough just handling it um yes. so yeah it, it works it, it works for my freelance life and it works for my depression work so doing it at the right time is really important timing is really important so yeah i will stop doing a piece of work or a piece of writing if it's not flowing and i'm just you know literally doing one letter at a time and it's just slogging away yeah um, it's just there's just no point because I know there will come a time where it will feel better and I will feel better. But I think I start to feel worse about myself when I'm trying to do a piece of work and it just looks rubbish. And I, I'm then going, oh, this is rubbish and you're rubbish and you're crap. And you're like, why am I doing this and all that kind of stuff. That dialogue you have with yourself where you start to tell, I mean, I've, I've often used this sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like sort of reference myself. Well, I'm failing. I'm a failure. I haven't had any commissions in the last two weeks, if, I've, if that's the case. I, I, I'm just useless. Why am I even a journalist? And I just think, why am I speaking to myself like this? And that's perhaps the time mm-hmm. to not send any pictures out for a while because they, they're not going to have the right energy and the right sort of force behind them to get a commission, perhaps, because, you know, I don't even believe in what I'm sending. That's perhaps time to say, OK, let's not pitch today. Let's just you can work on the pictures in a Word document or not even yeah. work on them at all. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost futile, isn't it? Because... It is. Yeah. It is. I, th- I think it's futile. I also think it can be a bit damaging, you know, actually, because mm. you're, you're giving yourself such a hard time. You know, I, I, was, I was always a great letter writer, and I used to have, as a child, I would have pen... There used to be this sort of international pen friend scheme that you could do oh, as a child. yes. Which I loved. I loved doing as a child. It was wonderful. And you would get pen friends from India and, you know, all over the world. You know, you could get pen pals from you know, different places across the world, and I used, mm. used to love these sort of letters coming in. But the advice that they would give you was be careful when you write a letter. You know, you have to be in the right frame of mind to write a letter. Uh-huh. Um, and don't write when you're feeling sad. You know, it's sort of obvious advice, but actually that's kind of exactly the same type of advice, which is to do things when you're in the right frame of mind to do it. And then they become much, much more successful, you know. So I know with my writing, if, if I'm writing in a much better space, um, then the writing's you know, simply better. Um, trying to force stuff um usually has a much more negative effect because certainly if you have any kind of mental illness problems then it just compounds what depression or whatever the mental illness is saying about you as being of a being of a bonker and an imposter and a failure and all those kind of things so you have to you have to be really careful that's interesting is that sort of something that inspired you when you decided to set up the recovery letters was it was it sort of nodding back to that idea of a letter and that because I know a lot of people during lockdown have been relying on actually writing I've written loads of cards to people like family like I've got some stickers I'm going to send my nephew because I can't see him so I've sent him some stickers in the post is it kind of that, that letter writing experience when you were younger that made you feel like writing letters would be a good project idea as as well for recovery it was completely that you know mm. I'd, I'd always loved letters you know so yeah for my pen fans but just getting letters and writing letters the art of writing letters and the art of how how personal it is and the fact that you can it's a precious object it's a thing that you can keep and and although i'm doing that you know an online version i think there's still something very intimate about it that that is really important um 
and it's one person telling a story to another and that sort of intimacy that feeling of intimacy is is really important it's like they've yeah to write I, it. they've actually found a pen or they've actually bothered to log on and and write this thing rather than just firing off a text it's there's an extra step in committing really, to doing that isn't there absolutely it's yeah. it's a it's a so the letters that are on in the book and in the website are kind of crafted so that you know i work with the letter writer to make sure they're at their best that they can be mm. really so so the person has sat down and worked on the letter and worked on the letter and then i'll work on it with them and and we'll come to a kind of place where we're both really happy with it and and yeah it's something precious that's been spent time on you know it's not just you know sending a quick emoji it's it's something much more valuable and precious than that and um i think that's that's partly why the recovery letters works it's because it Mm. feels what people have taken time out of their their day to sit down and do this thing of giving you know giving hope and giving you know advice and and giving comfort to someone that's that's in, in, in a really terrible place yeah very much so it's a really it's such a lovely project i would urge everyone at the end i'll get you to tell people where they can find it i mean i guess if they search the recovery letters they're probably going to come across it but i'll get you to tell everybody all the links and everything to follow you uh when before we say goodbye but um there's something else that resonated in the book for me and, and I thought it'd be fun for you to explain it is, is you talk about weird socks um, and it's sort of that idea that putting on a pair of, of unusual socks can be the, that little thing that just makes the difference between feeling a bit more positive and I mean do you, do you wear very weird socks is this very much a thing for you are you a stripy spotty star shaped socks <laughs> I am emphatically a, and unashamedly a weird sock wearer excellent and, so uh, I like a novelty sock yeah so I used to have really kind of you know dark just black socks I used to wear and then um I used to see a guy that I used to work with who was in a very posh suit but but wore these amazing socks and I was thinking oh this is fantastic it's just like a little flash of joy like a little just ray of silliness this is this Mm -hmm. is wonderful and so yeah so I started I, I ditched the black socks and I bought, you know, colourful socks. So, you know, all my socks have different colours or stripes. And I, I kind of, you know, if I know that I'm going to have a more difficult day, I will put on a special kind of silly sock. Um, just, and just I can glance at them. Or just knowing that and wearing them, you know, we all have these idiosyncrasies. Um, yeah. But it's just having a bit of a bit of silliness is is really important because life is really hard and it's really difficult mm. at the moment and it's difficult anyway you know you you watch the news and and you go onto social media and, and things are just horrendous you know and it's really hard for us to sustain that you know mm-hmm. on a regular basis you have to intersperse it with silliness and joy you know it's it's you know i talk about the use of humor in the book and mm. you know it's it's just it's really important um Know, trying to live without that is really tough so you need little kind of ways of to interrupt what can be you know life is hard you know and just having a marker or a, you know a visual reminder of silliness that there is kind of lighter size of life you know um yeah. so yeah i go to work in my silly socks mm-hmm. and i if i'm working on a piece i will i will wear silly socks and yeah it helps me it helps massively that was really frivol- frivolous, but actually what you're wearing and, and having something that seems a bit... Yeah, and it's almost like you've got a little thing with yourself where people don't know, and I guess it could be anything from people might have a piece of jewellery 
So you could say yeah. someone, okay, well, choose a piece of jewellery that makes you feel really wonderful. And if you're going yeah. to a meeting, put that, you know, all those earrings that were a gift from a really treasured friend or right through mm-hmm. to, I have a particular pen that I love, which is one of those old fashioned, well, not old fashioned, but a bit retro, where it's got four colours at the top. So it's the red, the blue, the green and the black. And Wonderful. when I've got that with me, I just, I just feel more positive about my day because I've got my really good pen. <laughs> It's, but it's it's true. You know, yeah. these, these, these objects and, and reminders are are really important to, mm. you know, to us. So you know, I you know, I will with it from a particular bowl at lunchtime if I'm not mm. feeling good because I particularly like that bowl, you know, or particularly you know in a particular mug that I'll use. And it just same. Those yeah. things do make a difference. They do make a difference. Hundred percent. And it's about like sort of celebrating the little things as well, isn't it? I think we forget. We're so busy often, and especially at the moment, worrying about all the big things like, am I going to work ever again <laughs> after COVID? Those huge questions. But then it's like you forget to sort of celebrate the wins such as such as reaching out to someone such as yourself. And then you said yes to coming on the podcast. You know, so I think, well, that's a, that's a real win for me. So it's like, but we forget to say well done to ourselves like we would perhaps to a colleague, don't we? And say, Absolutely. You know, yeah, that yeah, was a little win for you. Well done. That was a good thing, wasn't it? Or you got that commission from somebody that you really tried hard to work with or even really? getting dressed sometimes can be, you know, yeah. well done. I've not got yesterday's leggings on. Woohoo! <laughs> Winning. It's true. It's true. The, the small things are, you know, are not small. You know, yeah. so and those those small things that you get wins from are really important. So I, there's a chapter in the book about me going to buy a sandwich, and um, oh yes, and it's it was. I was so ill at that point that, mm-hmm. that getting outside and, and, and getting a frigging sandwich was so hard. And even though, you know, I kicked a dog and shells fell down and those other things happened, I still managed to get the sandwich. And the important is you got, I got the sandwich. Mm. That's the really important thing. And it doesn't matter that that's something that thousands of other people are doing without thinking on their lunchtime. Mm. It's, all, it's all about context. It's all about context. So for me, getting that sandwich was just such a massive, massive big deal. Yeah. So yeah, we have to not go, oh, you know, God, I can't even get a sandwich. We have to sort of turn things around and go, yeah, there are small things that are of great significance that, that are essential to our self-worth, you know, that, that we shouldn't put down as going, oh, it was just a tiny thing. Mm. See, we, we need to be going no that was really good that was really good and it's i think especially in this country we find that really hard you know it's, yes. it's kind of like very british yes absolutely and, and people think i'm boasting and you know and i don't think it's about boasting at all i think it's just about going well what's the reality here you know is there a piece of work that is really good that you should be really proud of um, mm-hmm. you know and it, and it is about it's about telling yourself that you know um don't we're not also not in a culture where you know we get lots and lots of kind of positive strokes from lots of people because mm. so we do have to do that some for ourselves so yeah so i will i write down i mean i write down loads of stuff on my phone for things on my phone mm. I, I will write down little wins oh nice i have you know do you just do that in notes or something or do you have a particular I, yeah. app that you like no, to I, I, I just do it in my notes i just mm. do it in my notes so you know if it's taken me you know, one day I, I, you know, depression was telling me, don't go out for a cycle, don't go out for a cycle, just mm. stay in bed, stay under the cover. And I, and you know, about four o'clock, I managed to go for a cycle. And you know, everything in me, in me was saying, don't go out, don't go out, don't go out. But actually, you know, I, I managed to do it. And you need evidence of those small things to carry on. 
yeah you know, and to know that you can fight mental illness like that mm. um, and then you can also, check back i guess can't you and sort of think well you know, feeling like not doing it another day you can check it, well actually i managed it the other day and i felt yeah. good once i'd managed it then i guess you've got a reference point haven't you it's absolutely mm. true you know we're we're very quick to remember the failures but but not to not to remember that mm. you know the sort of successes tend to go so unless you write unless you write well for me unless i write them down i forget them but i'll remember a nasty review or something you know oh, about my book. Yeah. yeah you know i'll be like oh god you know but i won't remember the ones that were lovely so so i do that i have a nice folder within my email section of nice emails oh so that's I'll, cool go to so if i get a nice email or a thank you f- for coming to talk that was really lovely it was really great mm. like okay that's going into the nice email folder and um when i'm not feeling so great about myself i look at the emails and go well actually there is evidence here that you're not a plonker you know and that you can mm. do a talk and it goes all right and that helps me because it's sort of my mind might be going you're an idiot you're an idiot but actually mm. i've got evidence you know yes. of going well you're not and we need that evidence it's much harder to generate that for ourselves when we're not well or when we're having a bad day in whatever whatever context it might be that is such a great idea i'm all about the practical tips for listeners so i love that because (laughs) it's something that they could literally be listening to you chat and they go right i can start that folder right now and i guess yeah rather than a friend or even a colleague might say to you but you're doing really well if you're in that moment of not thinking you're doing well and feeling really Mm. crap about yourself sometimes you know, even the kindest words from the most knowledgeable people just won't come through. But you're right. The, the physical evidence is that we're saying, actually, here's a, a collection of, of things that prove what you're thinking isn't necessarily true. That's got a lot of different power to it, I think. I think it really does. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we attack ourselves. And, and then if you have a mental illness, it attacks you even more. But we're so hard on ourselves anyway. I mean, a lot of battling this stuff is, is, is about having evidence. So, mm. so, you know, with depression, depression will go, you're an idiot, you're ugly, you're Blah, blah 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 and you have to go well what's what's the evidence for that and and certainly in work life i know if i'm having a difficult day in a library and somebody will go oh you're fine and i'm like oh well i'm not sure i think you're just saying that mm. what i'll do instead is i'll remember nice interactions with customers that i've had that have gone really well and i'll you know write the, write those down because otherwise i'm going to remember the really nasty customer who shouted at me but that but that only happens once a year you know mm. it's like yeah. it's about balance and it's about evidence and that really helps and so these small things are really important i have another thing on my notes which is about funny things that that mm. make me make me laugh so um, I have a list of things that I see that might seem small, but actually cheer me up massively. So I saw a couple of pigeons having a bath in a puddle the other day, <laughs> and it was just joyous, you know. It was yeah. just joyous. And it's this disgusting puddle, um, it's really <laughs> dirty, dirty, dirty alley, but they were just loving it, and it was just amazing. And then I live really near the sea, so I saw a woman, at least kind of in her late nineties, with this most enormous chocolate ice cream, yeah. just having a ball you know just and it was just utter joy and so those little moments of joy I write down as well mm-hmm. um, because I those moments that. of joy are I think are the are the stuff of life you know um, and sometimes they can flash past so I will write those down as well mm-hmm. um, and, and, then, and then I can I don't always then need to refer back to it because I've written them down and then I can recall them so I I can recall the dog that had the stick mm-hmm. the twice the size of him and struggling to go along. And well, I can recall the pigeons and I can recall the women and I can recall having too much vodka in St. Petersburg one morning and, and stumbling around the city. You know, oh, and morning. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, those things you can bring back and, and, yeah. and it shows that there is joy in life, but you have to record it and remember it. Very much so. That's brilliant, James. Thank you so much. So just so sure. much lovely advice and experience that you shared with people. I really appreciate your honesty and it's, it's definitely something... I would urge people to buy your book because you speak with the same honesty in it. And you sort of say, I like, I like sort of when you sort of you know, use words like plonker and that kind of thing. It's just really sort of <laughs> it's written as you speak as well. It's very accessible. It's not sort of here I am talking about depression from my point of knowledge. Uh, it's yeah, very, this yeah, happened yeah. to me and this didn't happen. This is how I dealt with this. So I, I really would urge everybody to, to give it a read. Um, and would you like to tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can find you, if you'd like them to follow you and where they would find anything else, such as the recovery letters, if they'd like to get involved with that? Tell us all about how they would access yeah. your work. So the, so the recovery letters project, online project is, is www.therecoveryletters.com. And that's about 100 letters. And people can write a letter um, and they can look at letters and that's obviously available 24 seven because it's on the website. And then my website is jameswithy.com and that's got all my details there. And then, yeah, you can buy the recovery letters book from Waterstones and Amazon and can buy it from local bookshops. That's wonderful because local bookshops are having a, a really yes. hard, hard time at the moment. And the same, yeah, how to tell depression to piss off came off, came out uh, last month. So mm. yep, again, again, you can, um, and that's in audiobook um, and ebook as well. So you can find it in different in different formats. Us authors are always going on about reviews, and so reviews are really important. Yes, especially the Amazon reviews because that prompts our book off. But actually, at the moment, what what you know, many of us are wanting people to do is, is to buy local from local bookshops. Mm. You can write it. You can write a review as well. That's fantastic. You know, but if we can if we can buy local, that that helps massively and, and actually the publishers are really behind this movement of buying Fantastic. locally as well otherwise our local bookshops will will yeah. disappear oh james thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute treat to talk to you thank you so sure. much thank you for listening to freelance feels the podcast for humans who work for themselves if you've enjoyed this episode, please do take a moment to rate and review it. I would be super grateful. If you'd like to find out more about Freelance Feels, it's at freelance underscore feels on Twitter and Instagram, freelancefeels.com online, and there's now a Freelance Feels newsletter at freelancefeels.substack.com. See you again soon.